Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. Frogs sit at four and six after a disappointing 47 to 10 loss at West Virginia. Frogs blow a three point lead, and the game kind of gets out of hand pretty quick. We're going to talk about the West Virginia game. We're going to ask some questions about where we are as a program and where this season sits with two games left going to Baylor as well as hosting Oklahoma State on Thanksgiving weekend. Then we're going to dig into basketball. And close it out, you're going to want to stick around to the end where we will talk about recruiting. We've got some news and some updates on potential targets between now and early signing day, as well as the second signing day in February. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, Jeremy, you usually make a point of getting to every single game, but I know you didn't make your way up there to Morgantown. I don't think we regret it. Uh, What's your first takeaway from watching the Frogs lose 47-10 to 10 in Morgantown? This is a top-10 team that the Frogs lost to. Uh, is that what you saw when you were watching the game this last Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it was a game that I don't think anyone – I mean, if you're if you're a diehard TC fan, yeah, you want your team to win. You hope for the best, but I, I think with, with myself and you and Daniel and uh, many other people that followed the team, just they all kind of saw that coming. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. I thought – I think I predicted 34-13 or something like that. And I think I even told Carlos uh, Mendez when we left the basketball game last Wednesday, the the Frogs opener, I I think by that time I'd even said, uh, I I think it's going to be in the 40s. But I didn't think it was going to be the worst loss in the history of Gary Patterson being the coach at TCU. But it, it started off great. Defense played great, but we, we just keep seeing the inconsistencies from the offense. And we saw a really, really good West Virginia defense. And this was a team that uh, Gary kept talking about how the, the West Virginia defense was improved and, and they had shown that. And I, I hate to say it, but even if, even if the Frogs offense would have scored 30, they probably lose this game. It's just one of those top games. If you look at the the rest of the the league, you look at Texas and Texas Tech. Look how high scoring that was. You look at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Right now, TCU's offense just doesn't. They they don't have the all, all the parts necessary to to go out there and score that many points, especially up front. But yeah, man, it was it was kind of disappointing. You know, it, it it's it's been a long long season, and and that just basically. Uh, puts the icing on the cake for how the season's gone, I, and and uh, you hope they can turn it around. They've got two winnable games left on their schedule at Baylor, at home against Oklahoma State, and if they don't win those two, then TCU staying home. Staying home and daunting task. They have to close out the season. I uh, never thought we'd say this two years ago. you got to beat Baylor, who's uh, improving and clearly has a better product on the field right now than the Frogs. And then you got to close out against a uh, the, in the season against a hit-and-miss, hot-and-cold Oklahoma State team, a team that put up, what, 10, 12 against K-State as well as got into a dogfight with Oklahoma and lost this last weekend. So we'll see where the Frogs sit going in these last two games. Daniel, watching the, the the frogs against the Mountaineers, that you know we're kind of comrades, and that we came into the league at the same time. This uh, this really does uh, set the frogs back two straight losses in Morgantown. What do you think about the state of the team so far after what you saw on the field this last Saturday? Uh, well, you mentioned Oklahoma State being hot and cold, and I feel like this team is kind of that way only in a smaller capacity in that they get hot and cold within the game as opposed to per on a per game basis. So that first quarter, man, what was it? Three to three. I was excited. Three I nothing. Three to nothing. That, 
three nothing. That's right. Three nothing. They didn't score till the start of the second. That's right. Okay. So here comes a top ten team led by Will Greer. They got um, and his buddy Sills, and they just you know they carve everyone up. And we finished the first quarter and shut them out for the first time, I believe, this year. Then it just falls apart. So (laughs) what? What what is going on? I mean, how can you how can you start so well and then just completely collapse? There's, I mean, you know, you could be tired, but who gets that tired after one quarter? I I don't know, um, but it, it's inconsistency and and the offense uh, just you know I thought we were going to do so much better with Collins, and it's not him per se. It's it's all of it. I, I think he does. I think he does his his job, and. Um, Maybe not everyone else is doing theirs, and so there there is a problem. Yeah, the bouncers up front. Yep. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna touch on that. A couple things I wanted to highlight in this game. You know, it was it was tied three three until about five minutes left in the half, and uh, Kennedy McCoy took that uh, took that rush for thirty three yards. They scored a touchdown. All right, ten to three. Frogs are, are at least still in the game, still in the in the, in, the, in the situation to be able to handle this, to be able to go to halftime with the game being on the uh, close. Give up another touchdown. Then uh, give up another touchdown. So Will Gersh just gets that offense rolling. Next thing you know, it's 24 to 3 at half. And then the Frogs get a safety to start the second, I mean, to start the second half with 413 left. Mike, Coll- Mike Collins, I'm going to follow your lead on that, Jeremy. Mike Collins staying in the end zone, intentional grounding on a debatable call accurate but not the spirit of the law but you know he did it and it's they threw the flag there's not much you can do next thing you know you look up and it's 26 to 3 and then 33 to 3 and that just feels like like wheels off like at no point after it got to 17 to 3 did I ever think this team's going to be able to come back this defense is going to be able to shut them off shut them down because once it got out of hand there was nothing that 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 communicated that they were going to be able to do anything other than hopefully just kind of run the clock out nobody get injured don't waste any dumb red shirts and get to get on the plane and go back to Fort Worth because it just it just slipped away and there was nothing that we've seen this season that says that this team is going to be able to bounce back and I'm not going to lie that's kind of frustrating not as frustrating as it is uh for the or for the for the staff and for the players and all that kind of stuff but it was just really frustrating to watch Jeremy you touched on it it is uh it's frustrating to watch this offensive line what what are we seeing and not seeing? Because I don't want to start naming names and throwing uh, quality athletes under the bus. Right. But that was a poor performance on the offensive line. Agree? Yeah, that was probably the worst performance I've seen them have, and I can't tell you how long. Uh, for a TCU offensive line to play that way is just something I really haven't seen. I, I, I can't I can't think of any other time that I, I have seen no ability to. It, which was crazy because the first drive of the game, you're thinking, okay, well, they finally got something right. They Here they go. They're they're finally clicking. And then the rest of the game, it was, I mean, you had negative seven yards rushing. Negative you, seven you, yards. There, There is nothing acceptable with having negative seven. You, you didn't create running lanes. Running backs couldn't get anywhere. Dar- Darius Anderson, besides that first drive, every time he got a handoff, he was getting he the first contact was being made behind the line of scrimmage. There were some plays mm-hmm. it was amazing he even got back to the line of scrimmage. That's how bad it was. The interior of the offensive line is the biggest weakness right now. 
your left guard, your center, and your right guard is the biggest weakness. Sorry if you guys are fr- uh, fans of any three of those guys that are playing that position, but right now it's it's not where it's 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 bad. It's it's the line that's getting blown up. West Virginia had a three man defensive front most of the time. Okay, and then <clears throat> not only did they not create running lanes, but Michael Collins was sacked three times by David Long, who plays defensive tackle. So where does that tell you? The pressure's coming from the middle, correct? So he's he's getting sacked. He's getting hurried like crazy. Now, I can understand the argument that there was a couple times where it looked like he held on to the ball too long. Why do quarterbacks hold on to the ball too long? Nobody's open. No, nobody's open. And so if West Virginia is doing a great job of covering up Jalen Rager, who else does he – there's no one else he could have thrown to. There's – I no. mean – no one else was getting open. Jalen Austin. Josh Dotson's not, not walking through that door. No, no. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's very it's very tough to to be a quarterback when you can only rely on one receiver, and and really that one receiver plays to that one side, and everyone keeps wondering, you know, why is the offense so bad? It's just it's a multitude of reasons. It's not just a a play caller. It's not just a quarterback. It's not just. I mean, it, 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 it's everything. Everything that could go wrong with your offense right now is going wrong. But I don't care who you are. And I made this post on the board. I don't care if Tom Brady was back there. If he had the same receivers and same offensive line, it goes the exact same way. Exact same way. Collins did everything he could. And I'm not going to trash the guy because he's not turning the ball over. He's In three and a half games, he's thrown two interceptions. Okay, he that's good. Has, has, that, that's that's a step up from what we it, were getting the first. Is he half is, of the is he as athletic as Sean? No, no, he's not as quick. He's not going to take off and run out of the pocket as Sean. But he's he's taking care of the ball better. Uh, and, and Gary had a had a great quote today uh, when when they were asking him about Collins. He's he's says he's doing good, and there's not anything that he's doing that they're displeased about. And that's important. If, if I mean, I don't, I don't think he's sold up the job by, uh, excuse me, by any means going into into uh, spring camp. But he has given the frogs a better look. Yeah, he lost the, as a starter. You lost to Kansas, but I'm not going to blame that. When it, I made the mention on the board, it's just like the Tony Romo fans when Tony Romo used to throw for 450 and four touchdowns, but he throws an interception late in the game, so the Cowboys lose by two points but it was because of him they lost. They didn't care about the 450 yards he put up and the five touchdowns or whatever. It was that one interception. That's kind of what kind of blame I think Collins gets for that Kansas loss. No matter how good he did, that 350 yards, that that one interception he threw was the difference in the game. No one wants to pay attention to the defense giving up 10 plays of 15 yards or longer. I mean, it's, just, it, it's one of those deals. But it Well, let me give you – the. Let me give you a stat okay. and tell me if this summarizes everything that we're hashing through here. Darius Anderson, 11 carries for 19 yards, and he had the longest run of the game at six yards. The <laughs> longest run yeah. for any frog this game was six yards. Can you beat a top 10 team on the road? Can you be competitive Not in the second half Not against a, a top 10 team on the road when the longest run you have is six yards? Not a chance. When you when you just have this feeling that you know they're not going to be able to fight back, there's your answer right there. 
that we're not able to get one carry for over six yards? That is your answer, right? <laughs> and I and I don't know what the answer is for the end of the season, Jeff. I mean, as as far mm-hmm. as changes or anything else, I mean, it's it's one of those deals where they're they're missing their top offensive lineman. I think everyone can agree that their top offensive line lineman uh, going into the season was Cordell. Now Lucas has played pretty good this year. Niang, he's played pretty good, but the other three guys, McKinney. He's inconsistent. Myers had a really, really, really rough game against West Virginia. Kelton Hollins has not played good the last few weeks. The right guard position, for whatever reason, it it hasn't played well this year. And it, it, I think Wes has played better. Yeah, Wes has been expected. Yeah, Wes as well as any. Yeah, Wes played better. He's, but I, I I don't know. I don't know what to expect with Chris. But you know, if, if. and if they're being honest with themselves, I'm not trying to criticize student athletes here. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it like it is. And I think if you ask them, Hey, do you guys feel like you're playing good? They probably look at you and be like, well, hell no, we're not playing good. Do you think we're playing no. good? Negative seven yards. Do you think that's good? And, but I, I think for the most part, when, when people go back and look at this game, I think Michael or Mike did what he could with what he was given. And, and it's tough. If, if, yeah. If you've ever thought about this, you're you're dropping back to pass. Okay, you're immediately getting hurried. Your go-to receiver, who you've gone to a ton that game, if he's not open and you look around, you really don't have time to go through your progressions. And the few times that he did, I I was at least you know satisfied with him. Hey, he's he's not he's not immediately leaving the pocket because once you leave the pocket, you take away one side of the field completely. And, mm-hmm. and he doesn't, he doesn't do that, but there's, even if he did run on some of those plays, he's going to get negative two yards. I mean, instead of negative five yards, but the the fact of the matter is it's, it's, it's such in shambles up front. I, I really don't know how else to say this offense can be better. I, I, I really don't know. Well, let me, let me go ahead and take it to another level then so that we're not just pinning all of this on a green offensive line. Can we learn how to field a kickoff and not give them the ball in the red zone? That's another. That's another thing that I mean. <clears throat> we we miss Kavant. I mean, you're you're dealing with the 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 blowback of the. I mean, these are the implications of Kavante Turpin being kicked off the team for domestic uh, violence. I mean, for 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 his arrest. But I mean, that you can't field a kickoff without giving them the ball. Why would? Giving West Virginia in the ball in the red zone in the second half, yeah. not a good move. What do I know? But why, not a not a good move. So the special teams, uh, the return game. It's like I've said, it's a shell oh. of its former self. I mean, it really is. Yes, it's, it is. It on kickoffs since since Terp's been gone against Kansas, Kansas State, and West Virginia. Their best starting field position is the thirty yard line off a kickoff return. Yeah. That's not good. Well, let's go ahead and uh, let's shift gears here a little bit. Unless you got anything else to say about this game, Jeremy, I got a few questions from the board about this game as well as kind of the, the where we're at in the season. We good moving on here? Uh, I, you know, we want to talk about the offense in this game, but the defense did give up forty-seven points. Um, Will Greer, yes, Will Greer proved that he again is, you know, to to me, I think he's deserved a trip to. New York to at least be a finalist in the Heisman. 
in two years that that kid threw for 709 yards against TCU. <laughs> Whoa. And so you, you can't just, like I said earlier, you, even if TCU would have scored 30 points, I think West Virginia scores 40. It, it would be one of those, it would be one of those games just like we saw with Texas tech and, and Texas and OU and Oklahoma state. It, 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 there's just some defenses and some guys that they just can't, even when they won last year against West Virginia, Will Greer threw for 366. He was going to get his yards. They did a fantastic job all the way through about the first quarter and a half. I mean, they really looked like they had him rattled. And it was just a, it was just a few plays where it just it, the the kickoff return after they score and they get a short field 17 to 3 and then they score again 24 to 3 and it, and it was at that point where you knew when they had seventeen to three, I'd already posted that's ball game because TCU wasn't going to score more than seventeen on that defense. It just, it no, just, it just weren't. wasn't, it just wasn't happening. But um, the the defense overall, I think the linebackers are having a ton of trouble in the flats. I think Rico Evans and and Juwan Johnson are great uh, defenders against the run, um, but when it comes to covering passes in the flats. Those slot receivers run wide open. The running backs run out on wheel routes wide open, it, and it, it hurt them against Kansas. It didn't hurt them as much against Kansas State because Kansas State's not that kind of team. But West Virginia, they they utilize those players, and and there were several times where those guys were just beating them one on one, and 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 some of those uh, plays continued drives. The 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 big thing that I would say the defense did pretty good at was third down conversions. I think West Virginia only had three of uh, three of 16 or something crazy. So TCU did a pretty good job on third downs once again, but it just, <laughs> and, and I love this guy. I, I love that he's out there. He's playing hard, but you know, Ridwan, he's, he's, he's such, he's such a liability in the vertical passing game. He's, he get he gets beat and there's I'm not I'm not telling you guys any secrets anyone listening it's, it's not a secret you, you see teams running wheel routes they'll run uh, they'll run rub routes where the slots somehow or another Ridwan gets caught on the outside covering man man to man and typically he's getting run by like that past David Sills dropped he was so wide open and and Ridwan was the guy covering him and. It's it, TCU is going to continue to give up big plays over the top, and I think Baylor's going to try to do the same thing. They've got some great receivers. Charlie Brewer's a good quarterback. It, it would not surprise me whatsoever if they go out there and just throw deep balls all day long. No, it would not surprise me at all either. And we'll uh, we'll we'll get to the Baylor game here in just a minute. But that's that's one of the one of the weaknesses of this defense, and I think they're going to try to do everything they can to exploit it. So we've got four or five questions here where there are kind of multiple choice. Daniel, I'm going to start with you. These come from guys on the board. DMSATX357. Don't know what that stands for. I was trying to figure it out. Direct message San Antonio, Texas 357 or extension 357. So, all right. Daniel, which sucked worse, losing to Kansas or getting dismantled for the worst loss of the Patterson era at West Virginia? Which of those two? Losing to Kansas. <laughs> Losing I mean, the, is, you, I mean, getting beat by a, a top ten team, a really good, you know, with a Heisman 
uh, caliber quarterback. I mean, yeah, it happens to be the worst loss, but that's a good team, and we are not a good team. And you know, there's a ton of guys out, and it's just it's just a bad year. Everything has gone the wrong way for the frogs. And um, but you should never lose to Kansas. Um, so that's that's why. I mean, like Kansas is not good. And you should not lose to them. West Virginia is really good. So when you lose, it's not that bad. I mean, it still sucks, but at least it it's explainable. Yeah, losing you can Kansas, understand that. It, it, losing to Kansas is just inexplicable. It becomes the next meme. You know, Can you imagine how many times we're going to see that this summer? It's not the same as Texas lost to Kansas, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to get some play. So I'm going to go ahead and agree with you there. Jeremy, next question is for you. Which, if only, scenario provides the most angst looking back? If only Blacklock didn't get hurt in the preseason, or if only Collins had played a few games earlier? I would want Ross Blacklock the whole season. Oh, easy call. Yeah, easy call. I don't know that that changes everything, but it changes more than we can imagine. So having Ross Blacklock this season, this was the defense I was so excited about with Banigou at the end. LJ Collier, he's had a really good season. Yeah, LJ's coming on. Yep. And then you put Corey in the middle with, uh, with big Ross. That would have been, that would have been the debatable, debatable, but it might've been the best front four TCs ever put on the field. So yeah, that would have been nice. I'm going to probably go ahead and agree with you on that one for Ross. Okay, one, a uh, couple more questions here. Uh, Daniel, the season has gone so far south. Which TCU, quote, crap talking do you miss defending the most when we were a top 10 team? Attendance, stadium size, or recruiting rankings? Which one of those do you wish puffing, do you uh, miss puffing your chest about? Um, I might have to go recruiting rankings because – yeah, we didn't have the top recruiting classes or the top, you know, Starzies and all that, but we were still whooping everyone's butt. So I, I like that. I, I remember because that's an easy that's an easy way to rebut. Just oh yeah, well we're great, so shove it. So yeah, it's a lot harder to defend the recruiting classes when you're uh, when you're sitting at four and six. But when you're ten and two, you can say hey, keep keep getting all those guys you want, Texas. So I'll mm-hmm. probably agree with you on that one. Jeremy, which was more depressing, the butt fumble when we were about to score against Kansas or the shovel pass that got run back against uh, Ohio State? Well, the shovel pass against Ohio State was only one of only a a magnitude of mistakes in that one quarter. And and the butt fumble, you know, whether you want to say if it doesn't happen or not, but I'm – would probably bet my mortgage that if Darius doesn't fumble there, TCU is going to score within the next few plays. Um, you would hope that they do. Um, but yeah, I would say the butt fumble because that ends up costing you a, a loss against Kansas. And when everyone goes back and looks back at Gary Patterson's win and loss total used to, it used to be the 2004 loss to Northwestern state was the biggest loss. Now it's going to be Kansas. Kansas is going to be the one. Hey, remember that, 2018 2001 2001 okay 2001 the, remember that 2018 yep. season when they lost to Kansas yep. that's 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 going to be uh, 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 a lot of fans will remember that game for sure yeah 
Yes, they will. That game will get talked about. Not in a good way. Not in a good way. All right, a couple questions here from our buddy Annoying Group of 20. Uh, why did Shaywell get so few carries? I, I have zero on the stat sheet, and I remember in the middle of the third knowing he had no carries. Why didn't Shaywell get any carries? That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe they didn't. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is a subset of what it doesn't matter, but it's still a good question. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Now you can translate, that, and I'm not picking on annoying. Who's a no? Good I mean, guy, it's, it's a logical you can question. That too. Why? Why wasn't Darius getting carries? Well, you know, that was what we used to ask, and now it's why Shea will get. I carries. just hope it. You know, and I and I'm not accusing annoying of thinking this. I just don't. I hope that TCU fans don't think. Well, Shaywell could have got some yards. He's a bigger bat. No one was getting yards that day. I'm I'm sorry. It, it just wasn't happening. You you were not getting running lanes. And I think they were trying to involve him more as a slot, maybe as an H back type. Um I, yes. I, I don't know. That's probably one of those questions I'll ask Coach Patterson on Tuesday to see uh you know if there was any rhyme or reason why Shaywell didn't get any carries. Could have been that he fumbled I'll like six you. times in practice that week. I, I don't know. I don't know. He might have been. I'll buy you a cold shiner if he doesn't cut you off mid-sentence. <laughs> He'll let me in. He'll let me that's ask my hunch. it. He'll let you ask it. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, all right. Our uh, Pinnacle 5225 from our board. Uh, does the team really rally and win these last two games against Baylor and Oklahoma State? We're going to use this to transition into the Baylor game here real quick. Uh Daniel, let me start with you. Do you just prediction? Do you think the frogs are going to be able to win both of these games going forward? No, no, probably Which one are we going to win? Oh, four and eight, staring four yeah. and eight in the eye. I mean, it's the 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 only chance is is Baylor um, because you know with the with the rivalry game, you never things aren't quite as you know clear on in cut and dry what is what's going to happen things just weird things happen uh, a horrible texas can beat an amazing oklahoma uh with charlie strong you know so it, it, it's that it's that type of thing but um i think that's the best chance i don't see it against oklahoma state just not not feeling it <sighs> jeremy the frogs rally and win these last two games against Baylor and Ohio and Oklahoma state. Well, I think they'll definitely go out there and try their best to do it. I mean, if, if there's two teams that you'd want on the schedule um, for them to get uh win number five, and win number six is Baylor and Oklahoma state, because quite honestly, uh, they both haven't played as bad offensively, but they've had such up and down seasons like TCU. And I, I, I think, all three of these teams are pretty comparable, um, minus the offense. But defensively, TCU's the best defensive group. I know Oklahoma State leads the conference in sacks, but and, and that could get worrisome going against TCU's offensive line. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of stuck in between. I think they can win either one of those games, and I think they could easily lose both those games. Um, to me, just the way the season has gone – it's probably going to be they win one of those games and they lose one of those games. And it, it's probably just just the way this season has gone again, it's probably going to be a loss to Baylor and a win against Oklahoma State. Yeah. Well, it would be nice to go on our first two-game winning streak since uh, the beginning of the season, since Southern and Southern Methodist. So 
we haven't had a back-to-back win since the first two weeks of the season. So I'm going to go ahead and predict that they uh, beat Baylor and lose to Oklahoma State. So I would that would that would actually be okay. I would be okay with that. So I think they'll beat Baylor. I think they'll lose to Oklahoma State. Oh. Well, anything that you guys see in the Baylor game that you want to highlight uh, before we get into basketball? We're a basketball school now, but <laughs> you know, I think. I think we can all agree Matt Rule has, has done a good job getting this program uh, up out of the ashes from the, the, the Bart Browse scandal. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to see that he's he's running as, uh, as clean a program as they can. Aside from that fight, did you guys catch that fight between Baylor and Iowa State? That was, uh, that was a I melee. Missed, I so missed that one because good. I was trying to flip back between that game and the, uh, the OSU-OU game. So I, mi- yeah. I missed it. I didn't see the – I wasn't watching that game. I was just watching OU, OSU. But the, the the highlights were everywhere, and I saw it all over Twitter, and I saw it on some halftime shows. So it looked like there was a melee. Man, I would – Matt Campbell, that's the coach I wouldn't want to get into it with. I bet his guys are willing to go to war for him. He's a lot bigger than what you think, too, because I, I always used I to know. think – Well, he, I'm not like muscular – Short guys like me, you always think, oh, he's not he's not real tall. But you know, Matt Campbell's probably about a good six one, six two. He's he's a lot taller than I thought he was. Uh when I ran mm-hmm. I, I walked right beside him uh in the locker room down or down the down the tunnel by the locker room uh when they came to Fort Worth a few weeks ago. But you know, with Baylor, uh it, it it's one of those games where it I, I think Charlie Brewer being eligible is gonna help them tremendously because I thought if that backup quarterback has to come in and play that I would definitely love TCU love TCU's chances a little bit better um, but Charlie Brewer had a good game last year in his true freshman year even when TCU had a, a solid season if anyone remembers that game Baylor was just going head-to-head with the Frogs early in the first half I mean any any yeah. uh any play TCU could do Baylor would come right back out and they would match a score and it was one of those games that was just getting frustrating because you knew TCU's defense had always had a good history of playing against true freshman quarterbacks and just confusing the hell out of them. And, and Charlie Brewer did a really good job in that first half of just he's he's looking at all these different blitzes and zone coverages and he's just going to pick you apart. I mean, and that's what kind of quarterback he is. He's he's one of those guys that uh, it is is not as strong a runner as Sam Ellinger. He's not going to run you over. He's not going to run a quarterback draw or quarterback power, but he is a guy that if they do cover the receivers downfield, he will take off and run on you. So you've got that dimension about him. He's got some uh, good receivers. Mims is a good receiver. Jalen Hurd's a good receiver. Uh, they, they've got a lot of athletes. Jamichael Hasty's a good running back. It, it's going to be a tough game, man. I mean, and and the, the defense is going to have to win this game for them. I, I think it's going to have to be a, a game where the, the defense has to come out and, and shut Baylor down to, <laughs> I hate to even say it, but 17 points. I mean, if, if I think if Baylor scores 17, more than 17 points, they win the game. And that's just, that's just how it is. I, I, I just don't have enough trust and confidence and, and, in the offense right now to go out and score you know, 24 to 31 points. I, I, I just, I just don't see it right now. And I, and quite honestly, I don't, I don't know how anyone could, I mean, if you go out and make your predictions later this week for you guys that predict 38 points, I mean, God love you, man. You got some purple, 
purple blood running through your veins because I, I don't know how anyone, and, and it sounds terrible, it sounds rude, I'm not trying to talk bad, but I, I just don't know how anyone, after what we've watched this year, uh, could believe. Anything could happen on Saturday, I understand that. I understand the whole philosophy behind that, but just based on numbers and, and what we've all seen, I, I just don't know how anyone could think that TCU's going to go out and score 25 or 30 plus points. So it, it, it's one of those games where I think the defense TCU's had to rely on them all year long. They're going to have to do it again. And it, it's going to be one of those games. It's, it, it, it's probably going to be like the Oklahoma state and Baylor game, not that high scoring, but I think it's going to go down to basically the final uh, two possessions, one or two possessions. I think is going to be the, the, the key to this game. Cause I think it's going to be that close. Daniel, are you going to be able to handle it if the Frogs lose to Baylor? Because Jeremy does not paint an optimistic vision there of the Frogs' ability to win this game. And I I, I go back and forth between having purple glasses and then being uh, uh, an extremist that think the world's going to end and wonder why we're still playing Division One football. Uh, what do you, How are you going to be able to handle it if the Frogs lose in, at Baylor? Well, I'm expecting it. So... I guess I've already conceded. I think I conceded it a few weeks ago. Um, as like as we keep seeming to decline in uh, in what should we when you should progress through the year and they're you know doing the exact opposite. They're just kind of falling off cliff. Uh, Baylor seems to be getting it together. Um, there's still a bunch of punks that start fights though. Uh, so. You can take the Bryles out of Waco. <laughs> but, oh, my goodness. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, I am i don't know. It, I, it's going to suck, and I'm not going to like living with that for the next year. Um, maybe we can beat them in basketball, and that'll be a little consolation prize. You know, the Frogs haven't lost to Baylor since 2014, the infamous uh, 61-58 game. They have not lost a game since then. And they may – You know, obviously won one. They may do something crazy and just prove us all wrong. It it was – I can't remember what game it was where we all – it might have been during Boykin's – I think it was during Boykin's redshirt freshman year. I think everyone was predicting TCU to lose that game. Matter of fact, I think it was because it was the week after the Iowa State loss, and then they had to go to Waco. And they just they went to down to Waco, Waco and yeah. laid the wood. Team. Yeah, and, that and, was and that's beautiful. and that's a game that no one thought that they would win. Everyone was predicting Baylor to 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 just cruise. They, to, they put up forty five yeah, points in yeah. that game, and and everyone yeah. was predicting Baylor to just cruise to a victory. So I understand that crazy things can happen, and and like, like I said earlier, I'm not trying to be rude to the folks that are diehard fans. I mean, you keep cheering your, your butts off and, and, and I, I'm just, uh, I, I try to just be realistic and all you guys know me, hell I've defended the offense all this season. Mm-hmm. I've defended Sonny Cumbie come tooth or nail, come hell or high water. Everyone hates me for it, but <laughs> I, I, so to hear me say that, man, I hope the defense holds Baylor to 17 points. I mean, that's, that's just kind of where my optimism is right now. They just, they got to get things done up front, man. If they don't block, if, if they block like they did against West Virginia, it's going to be another. I, I'm 
matter of fact, I'm going to say this right now. I'll probably just shut down. I'll just lock every thread <laughs> because it, it, it's going to be like, it, it'll be one of those days and I've got plans Saturday night, so I'm not going to be hanging around. I'm going to go to the game. I'm going to do my stories. I'm going to post the videos. I'm going to drive back from Waco. I'm going to go out and have an enjoyable night with my wife and you know, have a cerveza. If, if TCU wins, great. And I hope if they win that people don't complain about a win. And if they lose, then you know what? Uh, Jeff, you're the moderator Saturday night. Oh, all right. All right. I will be on there. Man, I'm going to be locking and blocking people like crazy. You're going to. You're gonna have your I'll, account suspended. I'll, I'll do it. I bet oh, you will. Oh wait, I, I can't. Sorry. That's right. You can't. <laughs> we can't. For those who don't know, I have no access to the board anymore. <laughs> Daniel's the bank teller that we will not give the password to the safe. That's right. Yeah, I'll be the monitor. I'll be the moderator on Saturday night. So if it if it goes off the rails in the second half, if it goes off the rails in the second quarter. I'll, uh, after the game, I'll be the guy keeping an eye on all that. So if you lose access to your account, you can blame me. Don't blame Jeremy. Don't, don't blame the coaching staff. You can come take, you know, come at me. I'm a man. I'm 43. And I will say if the offensive line doesn't block, I will say that the offensive line's not blocking. If so-and-so gets killed, I will say so-and-so's not blocking. If so-and-so drops a pass, I will say so-and-so drops a pass. If, if Mike Collins goes out there and overthrows a ball or he's not connecting, I will say he's not connecting. So all you guys that think I play favorites and everything else, just go through and read the, one of those game threads because I'm, <sighs> I'm pretty vicious yeah. sometimes. I'm, I'm a little bit too vicious in my opinion sometimes because I do have to remember these kids are student athletes, but you, when you're trying to tell the the story of a game and a game thread, because not everyone, believe it or not, is watching the game. Some people they they go to ESPN. They but I've had so many people tell us, "Hey, we follow the game threads, and, and we appreciate you keeping us up to date on on what what's happening." So wow, that's I, I do that for that reason as well. I'm not doing it just so I could get people riled up and oh yeah, you're right or you're wrong. You know, I'm not I'm not doing it for those reasons just because just because well let's wrap this section up here we're going to pivot here in just a second to basketball being the basketball school that we are give a short attention to basketball where we're at two games in and then we're going to take a look at some recruiting updates but before that we want to take a second and thank our sponsor teen life if you haven't yet please go online to teenlife.ngo and support this amazing nonprofit that is doing great work in fort worth and beyond to come alongside and support junior high and high school students so that they can make better decisions to improve the quality and the future of their life teen life Life goes out of their way to provide resources and curriculum and training inside of the schools so that students are equipped to be able to make solid decisions about the future that is in front of them. If you want to make a one-time donation, go to teenlife.ngo, especially at the end of the year, give you a chance to be able to donate to them, as well as find a way to be able to volunteer. If you say that you know people should be engaged in their communities, this is a great way to be engaged. Go to teenlife.ngo. We appreciate their sponsorship. Well, we are a basketball school. Our uh, the Frogs started 2-0 and in football, and the Frogs have started 2-0 and in basketball. Before we dig into how they've been able to come to this point and maybe what we can look for at the beginning of this, you know, as the season continues to progress, let's just take a uh, glance back here a little bit, Daniel. You've been going to basketball games for a cup for, for many years, and you, you were at the game this last Sunday night. 
what's the energy in the uh, in anticipation around the program now versus the first couple of years in the Big 12, what it was like when we were in the Mountain West? It's, it's easy to say night and day, but what do you see as the, as the measurable difference of the energy around this program as Jamie Dixon leads the Frogs into his third year and here as the head coach? It's night and day. Um, that was – never mind. Um, I caught it. Okay. Uh, it, it's uh, it's it's unreal. I mean, the first two games, the, no one, not many people were there because, um, I mean, the opening games. I mean, who would we play? Cal State, Bakersfield, and Oral Roberts, and of course, it's still the middle of the football season. And but other people are just busy doing stuff. So, you know, once once conference play comes around, or um, uh, we get into the, uh, I don't know if we play. And the SEC challenge, do we play here? I don't know. Anyway, the energy is great. The place is as loud as it's ever been, um, which is a huge advantage uh, considering it, it is kind of small. And, uh, man, they've got the place rocking, you know, doing all the, the end game with the graphics and the, the students doing their stuff. And they got, you know, wacky signs and everything. And, and the, the fans are really into it. And there's, there's something to – be proud of there's something to expect out of them that you didn't get uh his last couple of coaches and such um it was just you know people just went just because it was something to do but you know they mostly just you know they cheered the team but there was nothing exciting about it and this is this is some fun basketball they're playing right now and uh this is and it's only going to get better i mean every year jamie dixon so far it's just gotten better and better i mean the first year you win the nit you know that's coming out of what they were that's amazing and and then you go to uh, the ncaa tournament and then now we're starting out preseason rank number 20 and um i expect uh, great things from here on out and it's it's much better than it used to be when you didn't expect anything at all I remember going winless in the Big 12. So, uh, yes, this is so much better. So much better. You can, in, when you look and see that there's a preseason poll that that just assumes the frogs, and nobody, you look in the comments section, you, nobody's calling that an outlier. Or why in the world are they are they ranked there? There's just an assumption right now that the frogs are going to win a lot of games in the Big 12. They're going to make the tournament. And if somebody put out a preseason, uh, you know, Sweet 16 pick and put TCU in there, there'd be some uh, comments about, hey, that'd be great for the program or that Jamie Dixon's doing a good job. But nobody's going to dog that like you're picking, you know, Texas Tech to be in the college football playoff. This is just what the new normal is. And you see it in recruiting. You see it in energy. I think that they have – I read that they have sold out season tickets this season. And when, when you get into the heart of Big 12 play and you're getting Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas Tech that are coming here in Texas that are coming here to uh, Schollmeyer Arena, it, you're going to see it just a whole nother level. And I know it's his fourth season. I mean, I know it's his third season, but that said, I think comparing what what, what – where expectations are now compared to the uh, beginning of the season, the first two years, I think it's going to be through the roof. And so, Jeremy, you have been there, right there on the on on the court, right there on the front row, watching this team and covering this team, and you're kind of buddies with Dixon, from what I understand. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you see, and maybe a player or two that Frog fans can keep an eye on. Because I, I just got to go ahead and confess, this is new to me. I'm learning to become a TCU basketball <laughs> fan, so I've I full disclosure can acknowledge that so fill me in make me a basketball fan well as far as the the two games go they you got cal state bakersfield and oral uh, roberts and, and there's 
there, there's not going to be any flashing lights with those two teams. I mean, they're, they're, they're not a big 12 program. So the crowd's not going to be uh, extremely big, but man, I, I'll be honest with you. I was impressed with the two crowds I've seen so far that the fans are getting, getting into it. You can tell they're excited about this upcoming season. They're already wanting to come out there and, and watch that team, but man, it's just so crazy. The transformation that the, the just the way this team looks in the short amount of time that Jamie Dixon's been there, it just, just the athletes. I mean, just looking at the court, just looking at the players on the court and, it's just amazing the the bigs. You've got Kevin Samuel, that's a six eleven guy. You've got uh, Lat Mayan, that's a six nine guy, and, and uh, they've got the uh, R.J. Nimhard kid. That's that was one of the top point guards uh, last year. He's redshirt freshman now. Caden Ar- Caden Archie's a a great looking player. Kendrick William uh, Kendrick Davis, sorry, is a great looking freshman. I mean, it's just the the talent level and just the athleticism. You ought to lock. He's six eleven, and uh, Russell Barlow is a guy that we probably won't even see this year. He, but he was another guy that uh, they have high expectations for. Angus McWilliams, the kid from New Zealand, is another big body uh, that we saw a little bit the other night. But just the overall athleticism, man, they just look like basketball players. It's it, it it's crazy, but they don't look like they have uh, three or four walk ons on on the team that are major contributors. You know what I mean? It, it's just crazy how much. The, uh, the 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 way the basketball program looks, I mean, the, the bodies just it looks like a top 25 team. And and, and when you watch them play, they, they struggled a little bit against Cal State Bakersfield. And, and that was probably opening season jitters. I mean, they didn't shoot the ball extremely well. But uh, the other night or last night, they they shot a lot better. Alex Robinson is is playing extremely well. Desmond Bain had a big game last night, and when you got those two guys, it's crazy. The first game, and I didn't even I didn't even realize it until Jamie had said it afterwards. But that first game, they only had three guys that had ever played college basketball before, and so that what? should give you yeah three guys that had ever stepped on a, uh, on a basketball court um, to play ball because Kuatnoi was out. And and he's and he's hopefully going to be back soon. Jalen Fisher was out. So of the three guys, you had you had Desmond Bain, Alex Robinson, and J.D. Miller. Those were only those are only three guys that had played uh, consistently. Nimhard played like one or two games last year, but just an just an overall experienced uh, Division One college basketball player. They only had three guys that had, that had ever done that. And so they're when you look at it, yeah, they've got they've got some good experienced guys with Desmond Bain and Alex and JD coming back, but they've also got a lot of inexperience. And uh, the one guy that I mentioned earlier that had a really good game last night, I was really impressed with them, and and you could tell the other folks in the media were impressed, and 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 obviously. Uh, the the teammates were impressed with him was Kevin Samuel. Kevin is going to be um, such a great presence down low. They they lost a great presence down low last year with with Vlad. You know, believe, believe it or not, even though he was not very bulky, more of a skinnier inside guy, uh, he he he's going to be missed by by this basketball team. But Kevin gives you a a different element. He's a, he's a big body. He's strong. He had 11 rebounds last night, 11 points. He had some some great 
plays inside. He's he's actually a pretty decent passer in the lane as well. And and that's one guy. It, it just like I said, guys, just looking at that roster, wasn't it like three years ago they didn't have one guy over six eight because they were all hurt or six seven. Yeah. And and now you just look out there and you watch the pregame and you're thinking. It, it, it's crazy because the same thing happened in football, just the, the different level of athletes that you get um, as your recruiting classes get better. And, and Caden Archie, I mean, he's he's going to be a great player. And, and Kendrick Davis, he's going to be a great player, those, those young guys. But it, it's just amazing how much the basketball has transformed in, in such a short amount of time. And it's, it's fun. I'm telling you, it is fun to go to a basketball game. See, that's the difference with basketball and football. You can transform a roster in basketball with two recruiting classes and a transfer. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can revolutionize a basketball program with six guys. You know, football, it's you're talking depth and two deep and four stars everywhere and football, you know, football is just a different animal in terms of basketball. What Dixon has been able to do is is bring all of that experience that he had in the Big East and the ACC, which you know I, I love Big Twelve basketball, but that's that's just a different culture in the Northeast in terms of the way that they do and structure basketball yeah. and his ability to to run in those circles and know how to recruit to it, know how to develop in it, and then bring that to a sleeping giant at TCU. I I cannot wait to see what this season holds. When I when I look at that roster and when I see those guys the way that you're describing, they look. They look like an old Big East basketball team. I grew up right. watching Big Monday the, when it was just ESPN carrying the Big East. Jerome Lane out of Pitt, and uh, you know Chris Mullen showing you how old I am. Georgetown, uh, Syracuse, those programs when they were just it was like street ball, and they loved it. It was a different brand of basketball from from the real, the real finesse games that Duke and Carolina and Kentucky were playing back then. That's what I feel like he's building with this. And it's, you know, it's not dirty and they're not going to be the biggest, biggest guys, but you can just tell, like you said, this is a different caliber of athlete. And it looks a little bit like ESPN in the late eighties from when I was a little kid in the, in terms of what he's aiming at there. And I, I think there's a residue of that old big East that Jamie Dixon is breaking to Fort Worth. What's, what's great about him. Uh, Dixon is his confidence. I mean, he, the, the difference between, Coach P and Coach Dixon is – Coach Dixon kind of calls the shots. He's not saying, oh, we're going to beat this team, we're going to beat this team, or we're going to beat this team. But he says, we're a young team, we're going to get better, we're going to win a lot of games. Uh, he's calling a shot. We're, we're going to win a lot of games. He knows what he has in this team. He knows the, uh, the, the learning experience once they get – more games under their belt. They're just going to get that much better guys like Kevin and, and, and they're doing this right now. I mean, they're not the, the close game against Cal state Bakersfield. Yeah. That was like I said, probably open season jitters. They, they did better last on Sunday night, but they're doing it without Jalen Fisher and Kawhi Noy right now. Quad, if you go back and watch last season, he was one of the best players on the team. And I just think when they get those two cats back, how how much better they're going to be and and the the time that Kendrick Davis is getting right now is so invaluable just it's it's just the the minutes he has uh while Jalen's out if for some bad reason Jalen gets hurt again then you have you have a kid that's getting some experience right now with with Davis but I'm excited for this team man it it's it's crazy because I I think the Big 12 is going to be wide open I think 
the championship still obviously runs through uh, Kansas. But if you look at Oklahoma, who they lose, they lost Trey Young. Uh, West Virginia lost some key guys. Texas Tech lost some key guys. I think it's going to be interesting. And and if this team continues to gel like like I think it will, and like those those folks around the program think it will, I, you might be looking at a Big Twelve championship caliber team. I, I mean, I think you really are. And I think the fans kind of know it because they're showing up to these games. It's kind of like when TCU plays Southern. It, you're not excited about Southern, but you're excited to go see the football team. And I think right now the TCU fan needs something to be excited about. And that's why they're going out to show my arena. And I, I think it's just going to keep getting better. I think Thursday night's game against Fresno State, I, I, I like to see the crowd out for that one because I think it's going to be a, a pretty decent crowd. But, man, I'm telling you right now, TCU fans, if you're listening – you're questioning whether you're whether or not you should go to a basketball game. Get your butts out there, man. I'm I'm telling you, it is from a guy that used to hate covering basketball. I hated it with a passion. I, I'm a <laughs> I'm a football guy, and there I, was nothing I, to cheer bas- for basketball. Like I'm the generic white guy that stands behind the three point line the whole time. That's why I pretty much hate <laughs> basketball because I can't do anything except stand behind the three point line. <sighs> This team's exciting to watch. Go out there, go go out and and watch this team. Trust me. Exciting team to watch. Absolutely. We look forward to covering them uh, the rest of this season. All right, let's close out here. We only got about seven or eight minutes left. Let's close out with some recruiting updates, Jeremy. You posted an article that we're going to find on horrorfrogblitz.com about some remaining targets. We have early signing day there in late December as well as the uh, late signing day in early February. Tell us where the Frogs sit with some of these guys that you've mentioned. Give us some names and some people we should keep an eye on and maybe maybe a commitment watch or two. Tell us tell us where we're at on recruiting because I know a lot of people want to hear about that. Well, I don't know uh... – I don't know where it's going to be commitment wise. I, I do know there's a couple guys that they're they're really um, getting close with that I, I think have a chance just because they're JUCO players. TCU is is having them in for some visits. Uh, the uh, the one kid that that I think is uh, really one of those guys that's getting a, a lot of attention from everyone uh, and he's he's a very athletic kid. He's he's a, he's a linebacker. Outside linebacker uh, Drew Mathis, he's going to be in uh, for the Oklahoma State game. So when when you talk about wanting to impress someone in person and, and and beat Oklahoma State, the the good thing about that game is it's a night game. So hopefully TCU fans will come out. It's a senior night game, so hopefully the attendance will be um, pretty packed for that game. But it that's one of the kids that that they still have a good chance with. Nebraska is getting a visit. Baylor's getting a visit. The, the game between TCU and Baylor could could be a big difference too. So I mean it it he's just one of those guys that they would really want they really want to have. So so hopefully you have a chance with them. Uh, another guy that's going to be visiting he he plays this position. I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this, but he plays what's called a tight end. A tight end. Okay, so it say more about that. Well, tied in. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they're the receivers. If you, if every once in a while, like every ten or fifteen years, you might come across a guy that's like a Jason Morrow that will catch sixty, seventy passes, or Mark Andrews. But if you're a great Did blocking, you say Corey tied, Morrow. Corey Morrow, no, Jason Morrow. 
<laughs> Who is Corey Morrow? Oh, the basketball player? No, he's a great country music I mean country musician. Okay. I'm gonna have to revoke your Texas card. All right, keep going. Wait, is he is he red dirt? Yeah. You wanna sing some songs? He's not out of Nashville. Uh I could pull it up here. Let me see. <laughs> no, it's all right, man. I think I've heard of no, him. Go ahead. I think I've heard of him. All right. Anyhow, now you've thrown me completely up. Now everyone's banging their phones, going, Come on, get to the point. Anyway, Tra- Travis Kuntz, he's another JUCO kid. He's supposed to be visiting. Um, TCU's in the mix with Michigan State and Boise State. Uh, the, the one kid that they just recently – they they made two recent offers. Uh, Parker Workman's out of Snow College. He's kind of a tweener type. He's 6'3", 240. He could play linebacker. He could play defensive end. He told me tonight that he's supposed to be visiting officially for uh, uh, December 7th, the weekend of December 7th which that would be pretty good because signing day is on December 19th. So you're getting to that area where you're getting the last visit, so to speak, um, and before before the dead period starts. But they also just offered another kid out of Oklahoma, another defensive end. If you guys haven't been able to tell, they're offering a ton of defensive players, defensive ends yeah. and, and linebackers. Cole Mashburn is out of uh, Norman North. He just got offered, uh, I think it was Thursday or Friday night, probably why I missed it because I was at a football game. But uh, it, it was one of those uh, offers that he's, he's just had a really good season. And when you lose a guy like Myron Warren and you have a guy like Colt Ellison that had a pretty severe knee injury, you, you, you've got to go out and, and find some dudes. And this guy kind of reminds me of Colt Ellison a little bit. If you watch his film, he 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 he's similar in that in that role that he's he's quick off the edge. He's pretty strong, and I I, I like the offer. I think uh, I think TCU can steal him. He's his only other Power Five offers from Iowa State. Iowa State obviously is building a good class themselves. So it's it's one of those uh, deals where I I'm not too sure he's going to stay solid to Memphis when he's got options like TCU and, and uh, Iowa State wanting him to come down. MJ Anderson and Seth Coleman, those two kids are also committed. If It's another thing. They're going after kids that are committed to other schools right now. And, and you go after those kids that not only do you like, but maybe they're committed to some schools that aren't as strong defensively and you're recruiting a position where they can come in and, and, and really get immediate playing time. MJ Anderson's kind of like um, to them, kind of like a Stefan Wright kid, uh, a guy that is uh, – he plays defensive end in high school, but he would be more of a three-tech in college. He's around 270 right now. He'd probably get a little bit bigger and, and probably turn in one of those guys like Terrell Cooper is for them right now. Uh, but those those two guys are definitely on the list. And uh, as far as offense goes, they still – I think what they're trying to do with the offensive line is just hang on like crazy to the ones they got. They don't want to lose Andrew Coker. They don't want to lose Brandon Brown, and they do not want to lose Marcus Williams. And I think of those three guys, probably the one that is continuing to get a ton of attention from other schools is Coker. Um, Coker still uh, continues to get um, some pretty good interest from Texas and and, and Depending on who you ask, if if you ask people that follow TCU, he's not going to visit Texas. If you ask people that follow Texas, they're hearing he's going to visit Texas. Uh, it, it, he's probably going to be one of those kids where you want to keep a close eye on 
during the early signing period to see if he signs or not. If he doesn't sign, then you hope like crazy that they can hang on to him. Because I think Andrew Coker's probably, uh, to me, the way he's played this year and the, the the transformation of his body, just losing a lot of that weight and the way he moves. Uh, people I've spoken with think he might think they think he might be the uh, number one tackle in the state. I mean, that's how that's how good he's played. Whoa! And so, and, and of course, you're gonna have like guys like Kenyon Green and and uh, Tyler Johnson and, and uh, Shepard that everyone's going to look at those ranks and say, well, those guys are better. But just as far as playing right now and the way TCU thinks of them, uh, they think he's the top tackle in the state. Uh, Nathaniel Bill, he's a big, tall receiver. The only problem is he's committed to Iowa State, and I think it's going to be hard as heck to get him swayed. I mean, right now, if you're mm-hmm. a, if you're a six five, six six receiver, would you want to decommit from Iowa State right now? <laughs> no, I mean, no, no, because they, they utilize those guys so much. And, um, it, you know, the way the only, the only thing that might make them decommit is if, uh, herb, herb retires yeah. at the end of the regular season. If they, if they don't make the playoff and he says I'm done and they, they bring, they bring Matt, Matt Campbell, Campbell three over days there. later. Yeah. Well, yeah. the good thing, uh, you know, Nathaniel's from a private school, straight Jesuit. Okay. And so he may look at that, that aspect of it. Uh, if, if TCU really wants him, because TCU, if you look at their roster, I mean, it's Nigel Meeking and uh, John Stevens. And if they can get Omar back in the fold, which uh, you know, I, I, there's no certainty right now, there is a chance that he could be back in December. Um, they're obviously watching him very closely, making sure he's doing the right things. He, he, yeah, he's not having a great year uh, production wise, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen kids in high school that they love and, they don't produce a whole lot of uh, uh, big numbers, and all of a sudden they get to TCU, and and they're they're really good. And uh, sometimes you just got to take a chance on guys that are just athletic and and feel like they can be better for your program. And that's that's what uh, a lot of these recruits that are going after. That that's exactly the way they are right now. Some of them aren't putting up gigantic numbers, but they. They've evaluated them thoroughly. They've, they've watched them on film. They've uh, gotten backgrounds, and, and they feel like they're the kind of guys that can help turn this program around. But pretty much right now, I mean, and, and, and really the, the thing I've posted before, it's not only about trying to add to your class. It's about keeping the ones you have. And, and obviously when you guys have guys like Max Duggan and DeMarque Foster, Darwin Barlow, visited LSU a few weeks ago. So he's a guy that they're trying to hang on to. Uh, I mean, obviously everyone's talked about or heard about the situation with Tamazia Brown. I, I can't get a straight answer. I will say this. If he doesn't finish school, then the writing's on the wall. I mean, it, it, they're not, they're yeah. not going to take a kid that's not in school or finish the school. If he, if, no. if he doesn't have the grades right now, he, I mean, if, if he doesn't go to class, He's not going to have the grades to get into TCU. Okay, he he can't go get his GD and no. go get his and, and 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 get into TCU. I'm sorry, you can't. It's it's just not going to happen. So just pre- start preparing yourself and and understand this for all you knuckleheads that like to be negative on everything. It has nothing to do with what TCU does. It has everything to do with what Tomazier has done. So before you got and let's let me ask you this: Do you want a kid that doesn't want to finish high school 
on your football team? I, like I said, I, I don't know the circumstance. I can't say that right. TCU didn't drop them. They're not doing all that. All I'm saying is, no, no, is he's he's still part of the class. He's still committed. But all I'm saying is, for TCU fans to prepare themselves, that he may not ever get to TCU. He may not ever get to TCU. Okay. He may he well, may I'm he prepared. may have to go to a. a a JUCO route, but that's, All right. but I will say this, we're going to have a, um, we're going to have a little, uh, rankings update for the 2019 class. And I'm pretty confident there's going to be a new guy on top of that ranking list for TCU. Oh, there's going to be a foster. There's going to be a new top recruit. You'll just have to find out tomorrow. On, right. tu- on Tuesday, right. we'll on tomorrow. Tuesday, November thirteenth. <laughs> Sounds good. Will you text it to or, me because I won't be able to read today it <laughs> when when the listeners hear this. Yeah, depending on when you read it. That's right. Yeah, I'll text it to you, Daniel. Okay, I'll, thanks. I'll text it to you. Uh, real quick before we go, did either of you guys ever go to a bar with Zach Smith? Because now's a good time to kind of get that out there acknowledge it, get it on the record, maybe talk to your spouse or your significant other. Dude's gone Because if you don't me. come clean, he, is, he has lost his mind. Wow. It. It's, I, I don't even feel comfortable repeating what he said. I mean, that was crazy taking a shot at Herman. and it's, he's ta- Now, here's the best part. He thought he was tagging Herman's wife in the tweet, but he was off by one letter. So he tagged some poor lady that's got like 150 followers. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I was like, that's not his wife. She woke up. <laughs> Could you imagine waking up to just like dumb, drunk Texas and Ohio State fans in that being the catalyst of it? And your no- Can you imagine what your notifications look like when you wake up that uh, Monday morning at work and go to work? <laughs> I'm sitting there at the basketball game and I, and I start noticing retweets. And I'm thinking, there's no way this is real. There's just no way this. And yeah. so I go to his Twitter page, and and then all of us started talking about it up in the media area. <laughs> Man, the guys, the guys going to hell, and he's bringing someone with him. I mean, it's just it's crazy. I, I mean, he's we we may be reading a very unfortunate story about him in the coming months. You know, if he continues, if he can, oh, if he I continues know. down that path, it's just there's no ownership in what he did. It, um, it's everyone no. else's fault, and I just, I, mean, I just see it that it's, we're going to be reading. You know, you don't ever want to say nothing extremely bad about someone or what they would do to themselves, but man, it it it, it wouldn't shock me at this point. You know, you're right. I. I don't want to make light of it because it's clearly an awful situation that was uh, initiated through uh, looks like abuse and violence and alcohol. So that is a terrible. He's gotten his freaking bio uh, hashtag not me. Yeah. As opposed to hashtag me too. I'm like, buddy, you. On top of what looks like being an abuser, you're you're tone deaf and you're spilling. Who knows what you're doing? I'm like, that is just. I don't have any patience for that kind of knucklehead mentality. He's basically all, so. posting like he's anonymous. It's like he he 
he feels like he's using a username right now and he doesn't know he, yeah. he thinks no one's going to know it's Zach Smith but he cuz that's typical that's typical behavior you would see from someone posting that's hidden behind uh their keyboard and this guy's just that putting like it a, all out there like whoa that looks like the general forum of the Tex Ags account you know oh, yeah. that does not love you know a, a guy that's like Tex Ags 76 or something like that you know <laughs> that does not look like a guy that used to be a, a position coach in one of the top five jobs in the country. Yep. So my little takeaway is don't make my mentor's grandson-in-law my employee. That was my takeaway. Yep. So, oh, man. Well, we're going to mercifully bring this episode to an end. If you haven't yet, please go on iTunes and subscribe and follow us on Twitter as well as follow us at hornfrogblitz.com. If you haven't joined yet, please join TCU 24-7. We would love for you to be a part of our community. Um, if you see us online, please share and like this content. We want to get this word out about uh, not only the football program, but what's going on in basketball. We're going to keep you in the loop on that this season. And if you want to know more about recruiting, like I said, go join TCU 24-7. So for Daniel Southern and Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks for listening to the Frogcast.